0: Welcome to the Christ Walk Church Podcast. So, God never said that. We're taking a look at some common cultural beliefs that simply aren't found anywhere in Scripture. Last week, we talked about this idea that people perpetuate that God wants you to be happy. But we discovered that God doesn't want us to pursue happiness. He wants us to pursue Him, and today we're talking about this cultural misconception that God never gives us more than we can handle. You know, I could make this message really, really simple, really, really short, really, really easy. Because I have a quick and fast way to prove that God does, in fact, give us more than we can handle. Her name is Avery. She's nine. And I call her my daughter. We could just pray and go home, you know. Um, God won't give you more than you can handle. You know, someone once said that chances are you're either headed into a storm in your life, you're in the middle of a storm in your life, or you're on the way out of a storm in your life. And I would say that we could probably look back over the course of our lives and we would see that as a A cycle or a rhythm that we have found ourselves in over the years that we were either walking into a storm in the middle of a storm or coming out of a storm and I would dare to say that if I were to poll all of you that were here today and ask you to tell me the truth in a word about how things are going right now in your life a number of you would probably respond with something like busy stressed overwhelmed exhausted I don't know if any of those words are ringing true to anybody today but if I if I was you know being truthfully honest then I would say yeah that those words are applicable to some things that I'm dealing with right now see life it's a lot to take on sometimes but it's, it's not necessarily all bad things, though. I mean, there's, there's kids' activities, and, and we love getting to um, take Avery and watch her play soccer at 8.30 every Saturday morning. We just love it, love it, love it. <laughs> love it. Our one day to sleep in, and man, but instead we are up bright and early to watch soccer. We love taking Luke to his basketball games and getting to watch um, him play and everything, and so they're like those are good things and and there's there's your friends' parties you know birthday parties or or gender reveal parties, and they 're celebrating all of these things that you 're involved in or, or you're volunteering at church and that takes up time but but that's a that's a good thing or, or maybe maybe you're planning a wedding right now, and we all know how stressful those of us that have that have gotten married or we have kids that have gotten married or, or anything we, we know how stressful and intense that can be but that 's a that's a wonderful time of celebration, or, or maybe you're getting ready to have a baby and welcome a child into the world, or, or we've got some new grandparents in the house that have, that have had grandkids over the past few months, and I've seen the joy and the exhaustion on their faces all at the same time. Maybe you're starting a new job and things like that. They're, they're not necessarily bad things, but they do add to the things that we have to carry in our lives. Do you know what? Sometimes... Life just, it gets tough. It throws you a curveball. You got stuff going on that, that increase the pressure and the intensity. Maybe, maybe you're in school and you're, you're cramming for your final exams. There's 28 days of school left. 28 days, I think, of this school. 20, 29, but no one's counting. Certainly no teachers in the room are counting. Um, or maybe you have to change a newborn's diaper at 3 a.m., Anybody ever experienced that? Do you do the whole, like, let's see if I can do this without actually opening my eyes kind of thing? You know, I don't want to let any light in or whatever. And that's, that's a bad mistake. Let me just tell you from experience. You'll end up putting your hand somewhere that it doesn't need to be. And, um, yeah, maybe you're caring for aging parents. And that's weighing, on, that's weighing on your shoulders today. Or maybe you're dealing with a medical issue or a, or a health issue Maybe you've recently lost a loved one. How many of you are married? Anybody married? Yeah. So if you're married to a man, you know what it means to have some difficulty in your life. I should get an amen from all the women right now. That was you. I'm just setting it up. A big grapefruit for you to knock out of the park. We're going to experience marital conflict from time to time. And that's stuff tough, tough to handle. There's, there's work stress. Maybe your boss is a jerk. No amens from the church staff. Okay? Just keep that to yourself. Maybe you're dealing with, with depression or loneliness or fear. And all of those things begin to weigh down on top of you. And the truth is some of us in this room today would put on a good front. And a fake smile. But some of us in this room today, we are, we are hurting beyond what we can bear. And maybe at some point over the past few days, you've said something like this. I just can't take it anymore. You've been there before. And I've, I've been there before. And I've discovered that it's, those, it's at those times that some well-meaning Christian friend will swoop in to give you some advice, to carry you through. And they put their arm around you and they say something dumb like, you know, God only helps those that help themselves. Or you've got one Christian friend on this side that's saying, you just need to hold on. And then you've got another Christian friend on this side, you just need to let go. And it's like, <laughs> do I hold on? Do I let go? Like, I, I don't know what to do. Or, or they, say, they say, you know, When God closes a door, he opens a window. Like, I don't really even know what that means. And that's fine and good if he opens a window, but what if you're on the 12th floor? Like, what are you supposed to do then? Like, you know, I mean, that's not really helping me out any. And then you have, you have people say, well, don't worry, you know, God never places on you more than you can bear. You know, we, we think we find this in Scripture, but it's actually a, a misquote or a, or a twisting of a very incredible verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, In verse 13 it says the only temptation that has come to you is that which everyone has. But you can trust God who will not permit you to be tempted more than you can stand. But when you are tempted, he will also give you a way to escape so that you will be able to stand it. So this is all about temptation. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here today. We're going to talk more about temptation next week. But this verse that gets twisted for us to think that God's not going to give us more than we can handle, it's a a twisting or a a misquote of 1 Corinthians 10.13. See, here's the truth in the matter. God does give us more than we can handle. So that we will learn to completely depend on him. That's why he does it. He does it each and every day. God's going to give you more than you with your own human strength and abilities. More than you can handle. Because he wants you to get to the place each and every day where you have learned to completely depend on him. Consider some other scriptural examples. We've got David. He was the greatest king in the history of Israel. The Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. And this is what David writes in Psalm 38, verses 4 and 8. He says, My guilt has overwhelmed me. Like a load, it weighs me down. I am weak and faint. I moan from the pain that I feel that's an old testament example how about a new testament example we've got jesus he was the son of god god in flesh he said this in mark 14 verses 33 and 34 jesus took peter james and john with him and he began to be very sad and troubled and he said to them my heart is full of sorrow to the point of death Look, if Jesus felt that way, you and I don't stand a chance. God is going to give us more than we can handle so that we will learn to depend completely upon him. If you got your Bible today, I want you to turn to the Old Testament, to the second book in the Old Testament. The Bible's divided into these two chunks. You've got the Old Testament at the beginning, the New Testament at the the end. And so we're going to go all the way to the second book of the Old Testament. So just right on the inside flap to the book of Exodus, Genesis, Exodus. We're going to take a look today at chapter 3 of Exodus and the story of a man named Moses. I'll give you a second to turn there or swipe there with me on your smart device. Exodus chapter 3. So let me set this up a little bit so that you guys will understand what is taking place. We have the, um, the Hebrews who would ultimately become the nation of Israel. At this time, all of them in their multitude, they are living in Egypt. This took place whenever Joseph came to be a ruler in Egypt and he transplanted his family there and so they began to live in Egypt and grow in number as the Hebrew people. And the Egyptians started to realize the vast number of the Hebrews and they thought if we don't do something these people are going to overthrow us. And so they, they enslaved the Hebrew people and, and made them do their bidding and, and do a bunch of work as slaves for the Egyptians. And then the, uh, the, the Pharaoh, he, he saw that the Egyptians were continuing to grow in number, and so he wanted to do something so that they could continue to exert their will on the Hebrews and, and that they could continue to keep them in slavery and so that they could weed out the strong in the Hebrew nation. So he put out an edict that all of the newborn babies must be killed. They would actually throw them into the Nile River and the crocodiles would eat them that was their that was their plan he sounds like a real stand up guy doesn't he you know and so we have moses who is born he's a hebrew baby boy he is he is born to this family and um, they're able to hide him for uh, for a few months but then it just gets to where they're unable to hide him and so his mother she makes this basket and she waterproofs it and everything and she puts him in the basket and she floats him down the river Nile in it in an, uh, in an attempt to save his life and then one day Pharaoh's daughter is out bathing herself in the Nile River and this basket floats up to her and she sees this little baby and she decides to take him in as her own and so So Moses is this Hebrew baby, but he is being raised as Egyptian royalty, as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses grows up, and he is probably a a, a late teen, early 20. Um, early 20s year, years old, and he sees some Egyptians mistreating some, some Hebrews, and he actually kills an Egyptian, and he hides his body in the sand, and he discovers that people saw what he did, and so he flees the land, afraid for his life, and he runs into a man named Jethro out in uh, a region called Midian, and he ends up being a shepherd there for Jethro's flocks. He had a number of, 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 of animals and um, so Moses began to take care of Jethro's flocks and it's, it's at this time that then Moses, he has this supernatural experience where he's out in the wilderness one day and he's watching over Jethro's flocks and all of a sudden a nearby bush catches on fire, but it does not, it, the, the fire does not consume the bush, it just, it is, it is on fire and then the bush begins, begins to speak to Moses you know, some people think maybe Moses was burning a little bush, if you know what I'm saying. Like, he wasn't really sure exactly what was going on. And so this bush is on fire, but it's not consumed. Some of y'all will get that on the drive home. It's okay. It wasn't anointed at all whatsoever. But this, this bush that is on fire, it begins to speak to Moses. And it's, it's, it's the voice of God. And God is calling Moses to go back to the land of Egypt. And to approach Pharaoh and say, I'm taking the Hebrews away, we are, we, are, we are leaving from here, thus the name of the book Exodus, which means exit, that we are leaving from here, you are no longer going to hold us into slavery, we are, we are heading up and we are moving out, and so needless to say, Moses was a bit busy And stressed and exhausted and overwhelmed when we come to him at this point in the story. So Exodus 3, we're going to start in verse 11. It says, but Moses said to God, I am not a great man. How can I go to the king and lead the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. That's super important. God said, I will be with you. This will be the proof that I'm sending you. After you lead the people out of Egypt, all of you will worship with me on this mountain. And Moses said to God, When I go to the Israelites, I will say to them, The God of your ancestors sent me to you. What if the people say, What is his name? What should I tell them? And then God said, Moses, tell them, God said to Moses, Tell them, I am who I am. When you go to the people of Israel, tell them, I am, sent me to you. God also said to Moses, this is what you should tell the people. The Lord is the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He sent me to you. All right, so first, God is sending Moses, and Moses is like, I'm not too sure about this. And he's like, what what am I going to say? And he's like, don't worry, I will be with you. All right, we skip down a few verses to verse 19. Verse 19. And it says this, God is speaking to Moses and he says, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go. Well, thanks a lot, God, right? Like, you're telling me to go do this, but then you're saying there's no way that can happen. You're sending me into an impossible situation. You're telling me that it's not even going to work from the get-go. And then God says, Only a great power will force Pharaoh to let you go. So I will use my great power against Egypt. I will strike Egypt with all the miracles that will happen in that land. After I do that, he will let you go. So, first, I will be with you. And second, I will use my great power. And so Moses, he, he goes into the land, and, and the Lord uses his great power in, in, in a few different ways. In fact, he causes ten plagues to come down on the Egyptians, plagues of water turning to blood, and plagues of, of frogs, and gnats, and flies, and the, the death and disease of livestock, boils, and hail, and locust and darkness, and then eventually the death of the firstborn. And God even gave Moses some powerful miracles that he could perform to show that the Lord was the one true God and and to demonstrate God's authority and calling in his life. The staff that Moses carried, he could throw it down on the ground and it would become a serpent. And then he would pick that serpent up by its tail and it would turn back into a staff. Moses could stick his hand inside of his Obi-Wan Kenobi cloak, and when he brought it back out, it would be covered in leprosy. And then when he would put his hand back into the cloak, he would pull it out, and it would once again be made whole. And then finally, Moses, he could go, and he could dip some water from the Nile River and pour it out onto the ground, and it would turn to blood, these were all signs of God's power and his wonder on display in the life of Moses for him to accomplish the things that he had called Moses to. So there's a couple things that we pull from this story or this passage of scripture, and that is the fact that Moses was reassured by God that God would be with him and that God would use his great power against the Egyptians. And so there's a couple things that you and I need to extrapolate that we need to pull out of this passage so that we can apply them to our lives whenever we are facing something that is bigger than we can handle. And the first of them is this. Number one, God wants us to depend on his presence. When life is giving us more than we can handle, God wants us to depend on His presence. That's why God said to Moses, "I will be with you. I'll be present with you." God wants us to depend on His presence. You know, have you ever noticed that when life uh, when life is going well and when things are good, people tend to forget about God like they kind of push him to the background he's he just doesn't take precedent anymore but but suddenly when the going gets tough people start to look around and they're like where's god in all of this right it's not just us. The people that were closest to Jesus in, in his person while he was a man on this earth, they did the same thing. And In Mark chapter 4, we read this story about Jesus and the 12 disciples, and they're in this boat, and they're, they're crossing the Sea of Galilee, and a storm comes up, and the waves are coming over the side of the boat, and the disciples start to freak out, and they're getting all scared and everything, and they look, and Jesus is in the back of the boat sleeping, and they're like, dude, what are you doing? Wake up, man. Don't you see that we're about to die? Many of you have read this story. We talked about it a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning and Jesus stands up and he tells the wind and the waves, peace, be still. Peace, be still. And he calms the storm. See, you and I need to remember that we should never allow the presence of a storm to cause us to doubt the presence of our God. He was right there the whole time and the disciples, they thought that they were done for. But Jesus was like, why are you freaking out? Like I'm right here. Peace. Be still. In times of trial and tribulation, when stuff gets tough, all we got to do is call on God, and He'll be right there. You guys, you guys remember the the old Batman TV show? You know, no, 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 Batman. You know, Biff, Zonk, Pal, like that whole thing. You know, there's, there's a character in, in the Batman franchise. His name is Commissioner Gordon. And it was in that old series that they would always, um, you know, the, that Gotham City was being wrought with terror, you know, at the hands of the Joker and the Penguin and the Riddler and Catwoman and all of that. And they would always flash to Commissioner Gordon's office, and he would walk over to this special table. It was about as big as this table right here. And he had one of those sweet, like, like glass um, dishes that you would put over top of a really awesome cake. You know what I'm talking about? And, but it wasn't a cake that was under it. It was, it was a red telephone that just had one button. It was the bat phone. And anytime Gotham was in trouble, Commissioner Gordon would walk over and he'd take off that cake cover thing and he would push the one button on the phone. And then all of a sudden, the bat signal would shoot up into the sky. A spotlight that looked like a bat would shine into the sky. And then it would flash to the bat cave. And you'd see this dirty back road with like a barrier across it. You know, caution, do not enter. And that thing would fold down. And here would come the Batmobile screaming around the corner, Batman to the rescue. That's what I think about. Man, when, when life gives you trouble, pick up the bat phone, yo. Call on God. This is what Psalm 145, 18 says. It says, The Lord is near to all who call on him. He's got more gadget, gadgets and gizmos in his belt than Batman does. Man. He can take care of your situation. You're going through a rough time. You're facing more than you can handle. Pick up the phone and call on God, and he will be near to you. Your situation may look grim, and you may think, Why am I walking through this valley? But here's what I want you to know. As far as I'm concerned, I'd much rather be in the valley with Jesus than on the mountaintop without him. So whenever you're facing a struggle in your life, call on God and he will answer. He wants you to depend on his presence. Second thing, he wants you to depend on his power. Depend on his power. Verse 20 of Exodus 3, God told Moses, he said, I'm going to use my great power. You know, in the the New Testament, we, we read of the writings of this man named Paul. One time he was Saul, and he was actually a devout Jew, a Pharisee. He was a Christian killer. He had this encounter with God face-to-face on the road to Damascus. His life was drastically changed. His name was changed to Paul. He became one of the greatest heroes of the Christian faith, traveling all around, winning souls to Christ, establishing the modern-day church. And Paul is writing about a time in, in 2 Corinthians 12 where he says, I have a thorn in my flesh. Now, we don't, we don't know what that thorn is. Some people think that um, maybe it was his failing eyesight or something else. But for whatever reason, Paul, he had this affliction that overtook him from time to time that he just could not shake. And he writes in that passage, he says, Three times I've begged of the Lord to remove this burden from me but God never did so here's the thing that I think about Paul if anybody deserved to be healed of the thorn in their flesh it was Paul if anybody had the faith for God to move in their situation and and come in and and bring the situation to one of health and wholeness it was Paul but yet God chose not to and caused Paul to write this 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10. But he said to me, my grace is enough for you. When you were weak, my power is made perfect in you. So I am very happy to brag about my weaknesses. Then Christ's power can live in me. For this reason, I'm happy when I have weaknesses, insults, hard times, sufferings, and all kinds of troubles for Christ. Because when I am weak, then... I am truly strong. See, a lot of us live our lives in such a way, it's like we're on a boat. We've got out the oars, and we're rowing. We're rowing. And it's fine when we're in smooth water. But man, that water starts to chop and churn The waves beat against the boat, and we are rowing as hard as we possibly can, and we are gaining no ground, only to look up and see that our boat has a motor. Maybe the thorn in your side this morning is poor grades, despite all the time that you've spent studying and working and trying to learn and get better the subjects that you're, that you're dealing with. Maybe it's, maybe it's chronic headaches that just nag you and don't allow you to live the fullness of life that you would hope. Maybe, maybe it's a special needs child, and yeah, you you love them, but it just takes a toll, takes a toll on you over time. Maybe the thorn in your side is... Something like a financial struggle. Maybe it's a car that's constantly breaking down. Maybe your your kids and your cat all need braces at the same time. Maybe it's an unexpected bill that comes in the mail. And you are overwhelmed by these things. And and the truth is is that for years you've been praying for health and and healing and wholeness. And you believe. And you've come to the place where you're like, God, how long is it going to be? I just don't have anything left. See, that's right where you're supposed to be. Because until God is all that you have, until you get to the place where you realize that God is all you have, you'll never realize that he's all that you need. He's got you right where he wants you. His strength is made perfect in your weakness today. So rejoice. And know that if you're facing a difficult time, God's got you right where He wants you so that you can be completely, 100% dependent upon Him. You know, if you're here today and any of this is like hitting home and it's right where you're living, I just want to encourage you with this passage from Matthew 11, 28, and 30, 28 through 30. It's, it's, it's the words of Jesus Himself, and He says this, Come to me, all of you who are tired and have heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Accept my teachings and learn from me, because I'm gentle and humble in spirit, and you will find rest for your very lives. The burden that I ask you to accept is easy, and the load I give you to carry is light. Hear me. As I talk to myself this morning, hear these words. I'm saying this to me. You guys just get the benefit of hearing them today. Stop trying to handle it all yourself. Stop trying to do it all yourself. You weren't meant to because you weren't made to. God gives us more than we can handle so that we can come to the place where we will fully depend on him, his presence, and his power, working in our lives. Our response today is very simple. It's one of surrender. It's where we say, God, I've been doing things on my own strength, and I've been handling life my own way, but today, I give up you're in charge you're in control I give it to you some of us need to have that conversation with God today we need to let God be in control we need to, we need to begin to depend on his presence and his power working in our lives you know, perhaps you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God. The things of life have started to weigh you down. They've, Truth be told, you're crumbling beneath them and you're desperate. I'm here to tell you, man, woman, child, you don't have to handle this stuff alone. There's a God who loves you, who sent his son Jesus to die on the cross in your place so that you could be forgiven of your sins. And he is all that you need. He's there to carry you through these troubled times. And he so desperately wants to have a relationship with you. To enter into a relationship, a, a partnership with Jesus Quite frankly, it's, it's as easy as A, B, C. Admit, believe, and choose. It's where we admit that we're sinners in need of salvation. We're in need of the grace of God. We believe that Jesus is God's son, that he came to this earth, that he did what the Bible says he did, that he died on the cross and rose again on the third day, and defeated death, hell, and the grave in the process. And then C, choose. We choose to surrender our lives to him. Let him be in charge. Let him be in control to let him have his way. If you'd like to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're tired of rowing the boat, you're ready to crank up the motor and let Jesus have control. If that's you today, I want you to pray this prayer with me that's on the screen behind me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe Christ died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Amen. 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 Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today and you really meant it, I want to congratulate you. You are now... Christ follower. Your Christ walk has begun today. Thank you for listening to the Christ Walk podcast. For more information about Christ Walk Church, please visit thechristwalk.com